Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is Zach Efron, and you're listening to The Stupid Cancer Show. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Because he has a lot of chutzpah. <laughs> Hello there, children. Hey, hey, kids. <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now, the hosts of the Stupid Cancer Show, Lisa Bernhard and Matthew Zachary. Woohoo! Monday, October 24th, and welcome back to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. I'm Matthew Zachary, a 15-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhardt, 16-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we're your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. It's not okay. Not okay. That 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year. So, got cancer? Under 40? Suck, huh? Well, it's time to get busy living because the stupid cancer show is changing the world. One chemo infusion at a time. All right, tonight's show, we're talking about it again. We can't get enough of it. Too much pink is there. We want to know. We want you to jump in. Join us in the chat room. On tonight's show, Hannah Klein Connolly. She is a breast cancer activist. And she is the founder of pinkwashing.org and the founder of Her Two Friends. Also, Mia Davis. She's the organizing director of the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics. And Amy Lewitow. She's assistant professor at the Department of Sociology and Anthropology at Portland State University. And in our spotlight, Kimmy McAtee. She's a young health advocate, PR, and marketing manager for Keep a Breast Foundation. The Stupid Cancer Show is a production of the IMC Junk for this Cancer Foundation. Online, any day, anytime, 24-7 at stupidcancer.com. We're not your father's cancer society, and we're bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs. So, welcome aboard another fun and exciting romp of the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure and survivorship is all that matters. And a stupid cancer welcome to any and all of our first-time listeners here on the Blog Talk Radio Network and on iTunes. Download us free as we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. And lest ye forget that we have a live interactive chat room during every broadcast, we invite you to join in the fun, connect with our friends, and ask questions of our guests. And... Scene. That's right. Curtain up. Curtain up. Lights the lights. It's just a Muppet movie. just flashes in my head when they say I'm going to lock you guys in a room together. <laughs> it's time to meet the Muppets. Right. It's time to light the lights. It's time to meet the Muppets. Well, before, the I get into watch, well, before I get into watching the very first episode of Sesame Street from 1969, I want to just welcome back 
to the Stupid Cancer Show studio. Ow! Our original broadcast production assistant, yes. the lovely Amanda Freeman. Wow, what a warm welcome. I get the cold one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're next, Ginger. It's Kenny Kane. Ooh. Yay. Now, Kenny gets this one. <laughs> yes. Cowboy Curtis is Lord of the Day. <laughs> yeah, you were like three when that move, that uh, Pee Wee Herman show was out, right? Yeah, with the Word of the Day is McRib. <laughs> They're bringing McRib back. They are. Is it pink? Um, it might as well be. I know. Got to be bad for you. Ooh. Anyway, I just want to say that my wife and I bought my kids a, a present, not realizing it wasn't meant for my kids. Um, I had every good intention here, but Sesame Street now has available. It's called Sesame Street Old School. It's a couple of episodes from, like, the 60s and 70s on a multi-DVD package. And I bought them, like, awesome, like, original Sesame Street characters, original scenes. You know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. All right. The first thing that comes on when you pop it in the DVD player, warning, these episodes of Sesame Street may not be appropriate for today's children. They are designed <laughs> and developed, and this was released specifically for adults to enjoy. Thank you. On, on and marijuana. Grover said that. On marijuana. So I, I put this on Facebook, but the original Big Bird looked like he was talking up with George Carlin. <laughs> His head can be oh, like yeah. a, a pointy triangle top. Oscar the Grouch was green. It uh, was red. I'm sorry, red or orange. And this giant unibrow, ten times the size of the one he has now. And everyone was like, hi. The entire so the show. Number the, the number of the day is blue. <laughs> <laughs> the, entire, ev- the entire cast was tripping. That's um, because everybody was tripping in the 60s and 70s. So, Especially if they were with George Carlin. Now, kudos to Sesame Street for doing something insanely amazing in 1969. But they were absolutely right that, that the 60s and 70s Sesame Streets are not appropriate for today's children. Well, you know what's interesting? Do you go ever go back and watch the Warner Brothers cartoons like Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner Coyote? Yeah. I mean, those guys who did Chuck Jones, and all, I mean, they were out of their skulls. Yeah, I know. They, they had were. to have been smoking something wacky. Yeah. But those, the Bugs Bunnies are still funny today. They are. I mean, a lot of it's inside humor, like The Simpsons. Yeah. You know, is, is like our for generation to Bugs Bunny. And for adults but to like, get it, yeah. But, you know, the violence, you know, mm-hmm. it's, still, it's still funny. Yeah. The Sesame Street is just creepy. It's just creepy. It's mm-hmm. just totally creepy. Because they're like six-minute-long focus on, on milking a cow. Well. They would not get away with that on today's <laughs> Sesame Street. Why? Because it's like big cow nipple? No, no, because it's like six minutes of like this weird, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Robbie Shank, R- Ravi Shankov. Ravi Shankar. Movie, music in the background, sitar, milking cow, little girl <laughs> on a farm. For when does George minutes. Harrison come into this? Yeah, exactly. Who's, whose father is Ravi Shankar? No, you mean who's his daughter? Right. Well, <laughs> didn't I say that? Nora Jones. I, I did a lot of drugs back then. Nora Jones. <laughs> no, I didn't. Ding, 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 ding. You're right. I knew something. You did. All right, what's on the uh, what's the, the bill of lading for today's little chit-chat? Chit-chat. So as we were getting ready for the show, we saw a news report, and then I, we were reading about it online, about the HPV virus could now uh, possibly not only be connected to cervical cancer but maybe heart disease because it involves a gene that is the same gene uh, that was known to, if there's a mutation, and I'm, let me get my notes here. I'm not a doctor. I just play one on the air. <laughs> um, Not even television, folks. No. 
uh, a virus, the virus can sabotage a gene, the gene P53, which normally protects the body from cancer, but may also help. Didn't Harrison Ford make a Harrison sorry Harrison Ford make a movie called P53? The P53 gene. Kenny, look it up. Look it up, Kenny. Uh, may help prevent artery disease. So who knows? Maybe boys and girls, men and women, will be vaccinated the way that girls are now for HPV if they actually find out that there is a link between this and heart disease. You're wrong, Matt. What was the movie called? Star Wars. No. Yeah, no. Raiders of the Lost Ark. No. no, he made a movie called, like, P-50-something. I know he did. I guarantee it. Anyway, what that news talks to me, it speaks to me, and it says, Matthews, it's not about what you have. It's about your genes. Any medicine going forward. Was that forward. when you were back on Sesame Street? That was well, that's while I was watching Sesame Street. Yeah, that, that was post surgery <laughs> on dilaudid. Exactly, dilaudid is good stuff. Medicine in the future is not going to be about what part of your body is sick. It's not going to be about where you're sick. It's going to be genomics, epigenetics, genomics, epigenetics, targeted molecular medicine, personalized genes. therapies, genes, Jordache, Sergio Valenti, Sassons, ulala. Do they still make that Sasson? I have no idea. Okay. Kenny? (laughs) 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 Oh, my. Well, anyway, let's get to our first guest. They make seven for all mankind. What are you talking about? Jeans. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I I don't know what's going on here. All right. It's time to bring up our first guest. You doing it, Matt? I got it. it. Timmy McAtee is the PR and marketing manager for the Keep Abreast Foundation, our good friends over at Keep Abreast, growing up with multiple family members being touched by breast cancer, including both her grandma and her grandfather. She saw the growing need for support and knowledge for young people and wanted to take her passion for the outgoing to give back. After volunteering with Keep Abreast programs and the first-hand knowledge of the, uh, uh, what, okay. Timmy joined Keep Abreast in 2008 and can be seen representing the organization elsewhere. From the federal court in VH1's morning show here in New York last week, please welcome to the show, Timmy McAtee. Timmy. Timmy, Timmy. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Did you lengthen your name to Kimmy because of McAtee? Because that sounds good together. Kimmy McAtee. Is it Kim McAtee? I'm just the youngest of four, and none of my older brothers and sisters could pronounce Kimberly. So it just was always Kimmy as the little one. It's only three syllables. Yeah. I mean, it can't be that hard. I don't know. That's He's it. from the South. <laughs> Kimberly, Kim- I don't know if the B noise was too hard for them. It's right. always been Kimmy. Just stuck with me. Most well, people what, outgrow their nicknames. I didn't. Well, what struck me about your bio is that you were touched by breast cancer from your grandma and your grandfather? Yeah. You know, um, my grandfather You mean had men breast get cancer, breast cancer? But no one called it breast cancer. He had cancer you know in his lymph node under his armpit you know or oh they're just uh you know the fatty tissue in his chest you know it was never breast cancer with a male and then when my grandmother got it and then when my mother was going um through a lot of different you know she had what's called fibrocystic disease you know busy boobs whatever you want to call it where she was having a lot of surgeries and they were you know taking out tumors and you know they asked her family history and come to find out, my grandfather had it, and everyone didn't realize it was breast cancer uh, because people wouldn't talk about it back then, and it was so taboo for a male in his 50s to have breast cancer. 
And so I really just saw that this growing need for people to be educated and, and talk about it in a way that it wasn't scary or frightful. So where in your life did you lose the bet that brought you to keep abreast to work with our dear friend Cheney? <laughs> oh, man, I think I won the bet. Um, you know, I was working for a skateboard company for over six years, and we worked a lot with Keep Abreast. Our uh, CFO over at Black Box uh, Zero Mystery Skateboards, where I worked, uh, was on the board of directors for Keep Abreast, and I just started getting involved. I was like, let me volunteer for you. And, um, yeah, eventually she just asked me to come on part-time, and I was like, of course I will, and I got really excited, and within about 48 hours, she asked me to be on full-time, and that was 80-hour-a-week work weeks, and I was like, wait, didn't you say part-time? <laughs> so it's been it's been a roller coaster for sure, but a really exciting one. Shaney's the best to work with, you know. Of course I do, but for the folks out there that are either just tuning in or are somehow not aware that your wristbands caused chaos in sixth-grade classrooms, what is Keep Abreast? So Keep Abreast is a youth-based breast cancer uh, foundation, and what we do is educate people on the preventatory side and the support and education. So we really educate young people on how to lower their risk and how to start talking about breast cancer at a young age. And one of the ways we do this is our I Love Boobies bracelets. They've really kind of created a conversation about cancer, breast cancer in particular, that wasn't really quite there for young people. And, you know, we've been making the bracelets since 2004, and recently, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, we started getting them banned in schools. And So you, you know, knew you, you were, were doing something right. Yes. <laughs> exactly. If no one's talking about you, you're not doing something right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, yeah, we were getting banned, and, you know, I understand there was a few instances where, you know, kids were laughing a little too hard about the word boobies, but, you know, those kids are probably laughing when someone gets a banana in their lunch, and, you know, we don't really see people banning bananas. I still find that hysterical when I get a banana in my lunch. What? Yeah. yeah. You know, these kids, Is that what gonna... you're calling it? <laughs> <laughs> if they're going to talk about it, they're going to talk about other things, and it's really that place to educate them about body image and, you know, having a healthy relationship and how to respect people and, and ultimately talk about breast cancer and health. So, you know, we've... We're super excited to have opened up so many conversations about breast cancer and breast health within school systems. I think when you look at the scale of things, I don't know that there's hasn't really been any extreme. Ba- I mean, there's been backlash, but there, you know, in terms of specific incidents of something of, of harm really coming to kids for having these I love boobies, it seems to you know obviously more than anything else have raised awareness and get it, gotten a dialogue going among these young people. Yeah, absolutely. It's been really amazing to see you know, kids and parents and teachers become advocates for Keep Abreast. And really, you know, we just get so many awesome emails from kids and they're like, you know, my school didn't understand what your bracelets were. And, you know, my mother, my grandmother, my aunt were diagnosed. And I, you know, stood up and I talked about it and I educated and I realized that one of my friends was going through the same, you know, feelings as me. And it's been really awesome to be able to have that conversation. And, you know, it's been so cool to just really understand that kids are going through the same types of feelings as an adult is, and they need a voice, and, you know, we were giving them that. So. I have a very important question, which is we have a, photo, a headshot of you here. The pink hair, did that come <laughs> after you joined uh, Keep Abreast, or did uh, you have the pink hair before you were even involved in any breast cancer causes? That is a wig. I have very long red hair, actually, but <laughs> I thought it was pink washing was the, you know, title of the day. I thought I'd pink wash myself a little. and Nice. 
go pink. Um, hey, we appreciate it. you putting the extra effort for the theme. You get major points for that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, what, one of the things I like about Keep Abreast is you are not all up in that pink crap. And you are have always been a very genuine organization that lays everything on the table. This is who we are. This is what we do. If you don't like it, go fuck yourself. And I think that is, is a testament to, and yes, listeners, we curse on the show. Sorry, FCC. That <laughs> it's a testament to the genuineness of everything you guys put together in the last couple of years. My question to you, I'm going to take a little cynical side here because I have to. What? I know. You? Jewish guy from New York with cynic? <laughs> no, never. How effective can you possibly be in raising awareness about breast cancer in whatever vein you're doing when the majority of young women who get breast cancer are diagnosed on stage four because doctors don't take them seriously? You know, that's a big you we know, don't know, thing. I have to say, we don't know that it's the majority, but it's many of them. A significant enough yes. amount to warrant conversation. Correct. And same with males, you know, because these people just really don't understand that they need to a be looking and we're not looking for cancer but you know being aware of changes in their body but also you know really becoming advocates for their own body and you know with um Amanda Nixon who you've had on a, on your show before who's our uh, young advocate uh, who works here at Keep a Rest you know she went to her doctor four times before they would even take her seriously and you know thank god she you know had it in her to keep going back and be like no seriously take a look at my boob it looks weird and really find a doctor that would take her seriously. And we educate young people about that all the time. We all we have that in all of our written material. Like, you know, stand up. No, never say you're too young for breast cancer. Never say, you know, you're too young to start opening up that conversation. And really, the only person who's going to be an advocate for yourself is yourself. And to just like stand up for yourself. And and we also. You know, we do a granting program, and I encourage anyone out there who's listening to take a look at it on their site um, that is all about prevention, and we really want people and companies and organizations that are doing stuff that um, helps early detection. Maybe it's a new, different type of diagnostic that you're, you know, working on apply for a grant. We need that stuff out there. We need to so you're, educate. You're actually giving away, you're awarding up to $100,000 in research grants to organizations. Yeah, anyone who is in the forefront of preventatory or complementary care education. And uh, last year we um, donated to EWG, um, Safe Cosmetics. Uh, we There's so many different organizations, and we really want to push that does it have to be just for knowledge. breast cancer? Because a lot of the issues that are surrounding this are sort of disease agnostic issues. You know, it doesn't have to be breast cancer. You know, it, that is our mission. But if it's, you know, maybe uh, just cancer in general, that's something, you know, we're definitely interested in. Um, you know, it has to make sense within our mission statement, but we're definitely trying to push boundaries. As you said, we kind of stand up and do a big fuck you to a lot of people. And, and that's really what our granting program is. It's, those leaders and the people who are going to really stand up and really say, like, no, listen to me, we need to really focus on prevention. We need to really educate young people uh, and doctors how to identify specific warning threats, and that's really all about our granting process. So, so, so Kimmy, your bio says that you were seen everywhere from federal court to VH1's morning show. What were you doing in federal court, and what were you doing on VH1's morning show? 
Well, Lindsay Lohan was with her both times. <laughs> um, federal court, I was uh, talking about the word boobies. We, uh, we did not file a suit against the school, but some students filed a suit for um, freedom of speech rights, and the ACLU picked up the, the case. And uh, these two girls got suspended on Breast Cancer Awareness Day for wearing um, check yourself, love your boobies, and I love boobies bracelets and on and breast how, cancer how old are they how old are the uh, girls they were in eighth grade so eighth i think 12 and 13 and both of them had someone in their family who had been diagnosed and both of them were wearing the bracelets inside out so all they said was keep a breast.org art education awareness action because apparently the word breast was disturbing to them what what yes, state what school was, was breast this cancer. it was breast and, cancer awareness day i was and, in philadelphia, philadelphia. and um, we actually won that case, but the school district is appealing, which is frustrating because I feel like there's better things they could be doing with their money. But, They're just um, bitter because the Phillies didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, screw Philly. <laughs> yeah. Wait, we're going to Philly. We'll be in Philly next month. I don't care. I'm a Mets fan. Yeah. I hate the Phillies. But, again, I really want to just, just hit you a little harder, and I, I pressed Shani on this and Amanda on this as well, both in person and on the show. Awareness and prevention are only as good as the doctor who takes you seriously. And as someone who was misdiagnosed for six months and given Robitussin for my brain cancer, didn't work, by the way, I cannot stress enough that there should be equal attention to both sides of the coin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've, I've never had cancer and, you know, knock on wood, but I have been mis- misdiagnosed, and it's super frustrating when... You know, for me, it was um, a it was a tumor the size of a grapefruit that they told me I had gas when I had an ovarian cyst, and I was like, "No, I'm pretty sure I have gas." And like, <laughs> and they sent me home with like some tums, and it took yeah a really long time. And that was actually after I had already had them. Um, previously and had surgeries, and I was like, no, 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 I know my body, but I'd moved and I'd been to a different doctor. And it, there really there really needs to be that education and that awareness that this isn't just your grandmother's disease in terms of breast cancer. And then also, you know, what we always push for is um, newer and better, you know, ways to early detect. What would you say is, uh, the, aver- is the average age of, of the women who've been diagnosed who are part of your Keep Abreast community? I would probably say um, age 23 to 31 seems to be kind of the women that we see a lot, but, you know, we've actually seen some... We do our Treasure Chest program, which I encourage anyone to get involved that's been recently diagnosed, and what we do is we do the breast cast, which is a plaster cast of a female torso. We give it to artists to adorn, and then... Uh, the actual person who's been diagnosed gets to keep it. And we send girls as young as 18 uh, who've been diagnosed. And then, uh, but it's mostly mid-20s that seem to kind of hear about us um, and get involved in, in that type of event. But well, you guys have a huge following because you do, like, Warp Tour and you're in all the skateboard shops and those crazy hipsters love you. Yeah, we love the crazy hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> so and, Yeah, we definitely have a young a young audience. Fortunately or unfortunately, that skews way young. Right. 
So again, I mean, I, my question to you is, I mean, you guys have become so financially successful with the wristbands, controversy notwithstanding. Is your goal to use the, those those massive funds you've accumulated to fund research? Are you going to become a major granting foundation going forward? Uh, no, I think, you know, what we want to do is really just expand our programs. Uh, we're really excited with the launch of Non-Toxic Revolution, which is our newest program that, that we were able to launch um, through all the support that we received. And it's a massive undertaking that we're really excited about that really educates people on all the toxins in your daily life um, split up into categories and how to lower your risk for these cancer-causing type of things. And then but that really ties into pinkwashing. That ties directly into pinkwashing because there are so many organizations out there, one of them was on the show last week, who are producing a product to raise awareness for breast cancer research that contains certain ingredients that are not terribly friendly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've turned down so many endorsements from people who we just couldn't come to a place where that was something we felt comfortable with. Uh, we had a fast food chain say that they wanted to do something with their I Love Boobies and their chicken breast sandwich, and we're like, are you kidding me? And then, you know, energy drinks or, or different types of things. And what we've really been always with our mission is never putting anything into the environment that's that's crappy and it's been actually really cool um this past october we've had so many people come up to us and want to do a collaboration and one was a hair and makeup organization or not organization company and we're like well unfortunately you know here's all the ingredients that cause cancer or estrogen mimickers and they have no idea they're like well everything is vegan and fda approved and we're like yeah but you know it's parabens and fragrances and um, we're actually now working with them to create a different formula that is paraben-free and, you know, safe, organic, vegan, which is they're kind of really excited about. And so it was really cool to open their eyes up and be like, yeah, you had no idea that, you know, you're, you might be causing cancer. <laughs> and so it was cool to, you know, bring that up to the forefront. And it's, it's always to, part it's, of our mission. Yeah, and it's great to really then take the next step and help them work on alternatives because a lot of cosmetic companies just say, well, what's going to be as effective as what we're already using? It's a difficult process to get them going to thinking of new ingredients that will actually work and mm-hmm. not be harmful to your body. Yeah, and it was it was crazy. They had no idea. They were like, oh, well, you know, we we do all these other things and we want to, you know, do good. And our founder had breast cancer and we really want to, like, do good. And we had no idea. Like, you know, that's unfortunately the FDA is like, oh, this is all approved and have fun. Use these products. It's cool. And, you know, people don't even know. Yeah. Or probably do. But, you know, their formula is 20 years old and new people don't know. Well, I, again, I, I, I thank you for filling in at the last minute for Keep Abreast. I'm, uh, please give my best to Shani, uh, Amanda, the whole crew out there. We miss you guys. We love you guys. Um, and just for the crowd, one last time, what is your website for the folks out there? Well, it's a hard one. It's keepabreast.org, but there's dashes in between the A's. And if you uh, want to learn more about our non-toxic revolution program, which has not one ounce of pink on the website, it's nontoxicrevolution.org. Very nice. All right, what's in the chat room now? All right, thanks, Kimmy. You've been a great guest. Kimmy McAtee. Be good. Bye-bye. Non-toxic revolution, Kenny. Can you put that in? I can't, uh, t- I can't type it. that many letters. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Top right to the news. Just the facts, ma'am. 
Kenny, gotta get those events. <laughs> Come on, KK. Yeah. Wake up. During this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we announce to our listeners a whole bunch of newsworthy programs, events, and services that we don't want you missing out on, and they're all free, and they're all just for young adults with cancer. Things like conferences, happy hours, retreats, kayaking and mountain climbing trips, finance webinars, college scholarships, bar crawls, concerts, tweet-ups, support groups, and more. If you have something coming up that you'd like to spread the word about during this part of the show, please send an email to info at stupidcancer.com. That's info at stupidcancer.com. Head on over to events.stupidcancer.com, your one-stop shop calendar for all of your social and educational events nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods and we don't want you missing out. What's going on, Maddie? All right, Chicago. Stupid Cancer Happy Hour, November 1st, with me and Johnny Emmerman. It's the Two Bald Jews Reunion. My kind of town, Chicago and, is. Uh, what's the name of the place? Dos Diablos? Yes, Dos oh. Diablos in Chi-Town. Two, two Jewish devils? Two, what? <laughs> Dos yes, Diablos? Yes, <laughs> Dos Diablos, Judas. Judas. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, uh, November 5th, Philadelphia, home of whatever was... Yeah... So that's where those girls could be. Home wear of the bad wristbands. And the bad Phillies. All right, home of the great wristbands in the bad school district. Right. Stupid Cancer Boot Camp Philly, 11.5. Stupidcancer.com forward slash Philly. We love you, Boot Camp Philly. 11.15. Stupid Cancer Boot Camp New Orleans, inaugural Stupid Cancer Boot Camp in NOLA. Stupidcancer.com forward slash NOLA. Kenny, any happy hours? Uh, October 26th, we have the New Jersey happy hour. October 31st, uh, Halloween Spooktacular down in the Triangle in North Carolina. November 2nd, we have a Stupid Cancer Happy Hour in San Diego. Well, there you go. All right, the Stupid Cancer Forums have more than 1,100 members. This is your premier online community to connect with survivors, patients, parents, and caregivers just like you. Visit stupidcancerforums.com and sign in with one click through Facebook. All right, remember this date, everybody, March 18th, 2012, announcing the Team Stupid Cancer, our official running team for the New York City Half Marathon. Got feet? Actually, with our crew, you don't need feet. Feet are optional. Join the hippest running team within one block of our office. Guaranteed entry, low fundraising minimums, and help young adults fight stupid cancer. I may do it, folks. What is Uh, it? Lisa, Lisa. I might do it. Who's with me? Who's with me? Craigie. I'll do it if I get, you know. Amanda, you can do it. Come on, Amanda. Nah. I, nope. I got to work out That's all right. She's no, pressure, no pressure, no <laughs> pressure. Matt, what about you? Come on. I stand Can here it? a blob. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt will be the one in the wheelchair. You won't stand here a blob if you ran a half marathon. Kenny, oh, are you going to do it again? What's half of 26 point uh, whatever thir- it is? 13.1. Oh, my God. All right, March 18th. Come on, let's do it. Stupid cancer, half Matt. Go to... TeamStupidCancer.com, limited slots available. I stand here a blob. Game on, the 5th Annual OMG Cancer Summit in Las Vegas, people of the Palms Casino Resort. Mark your calendars, March 31st to April 1st, next year for an all-out weekend of insanely awesome programs, events, social networking, and the hippest annual event in all of Cancerland. Visit OMG2012.org. Registration starts 1115. But now is the time to join the OMG Players Club and earn up to $600 in travel reimbursement and even get a brand new iPad. OMG2012.org. And that, and that is, is your stupid cancer news. news. Matt, what do you think about a fundraiser? The over-under on having another stroke after a half marathon. 
No, my those stroke. Are the, those are the odds we take to Vegas after yeah. the half marathon. My stroke wasn't related to cardiovascular, so it, it, I would just have to have. Well, not yet. It wasn't. <laughs> right, right. If I run the marathon, no, I love. There's my, always stroke 2.0. I love my. Kids you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to shed your protective layer. I'm of glad body my fat. wife is not in the chat room tonight. <laughs> is your dad in there? No, he's not. My dad's in, in like South Carolina visiting friends. Your family's yeah. having a Matt's not home party. Although my dad yeah. is speaking at OMG 2012 in Vegas. Get out! He's on the. We're doing a panel on a, adults, boomer parents of young adult patients he, and survivors. You mean your dad just pleaded, "How could he get to Vegas?" And you said, "I'll put you on a panel." Or my mother than he'll, my father, he'll but be, yes, he'll be speaking all day Sunday <laughs> <laughs> to the tree outside the palms. <laughs> In the parking lot. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. All right. All right. Well, let's bring out our first guest. Hannah Klein Connolly? Second guest. Our second guest. Sorry. Uh, let's uh, let's do this one. I got Hannah. All right. Oh, man. I love this song. All right. Hannah Klein Connolly. She was diagnosed with triple positive breast cancer in March 2009, and during treatment, created a non-profit called Her Two Friends to offer healing through art for women with breast cancer. It's at her2friends2.com. We'll put it in the chat room. In 2009, Her Two Friends produced its first plastering workshop and art exhibition, receiving over 80 financial donations. Efforts are in the works to tour with the plaster cast and produce a national Get Plaster Day. I like the sound of that. Nice. For breast cancer. That she was actually former of breast cancer action, formerly of breast cancer action. Folks who've been on our show many times. Yep. Hannah Klein Colley, we are thrilled to have her with us tonight on the show. Anna. Hi. Thank you very much for having me. And, and may I just say, very for the very first time, um, I love that your name is a palindrome because my daughter is also Hannah, and no one understands that there are really supposed to be two N's, two A's, and two H's. Oh, palindrome, I get that. That's when it goes backwards and forwards, right? Exactly. It makes it easy to spell it. Right. Because there was a movie last year called Hannah with with just H-A-N-N-A. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. Yes, exactly. What about Hannah and her sisters? That was more my time. Well, that was Woody Allen. Classic. Yep. Classic. Classic. I think they had an H, right? Two H's. Well, that's because Jews Mm -hmm. were involved. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But but, uh, there's no Hannah Connolly that's Jewish unless that's your married name. It's Hannah a married Klein. name, Hannah, Hannah Klein Connolly. I okay. think I think the Klein could be Jewish. There we potato. go. I think it could be Klein. I'm gonna go with matzo potato. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> All right, Lise, you're up. Oh, Hannah and her sisters has two H's. It's a palindrome, by the way. Yes. All right, so tell us, um, Hannah, with two H's. I want to hear about get plastered. Get plastered. Well, back back when I was diagnosed. Um, I just found there wasn't anything that was really a good good therapeutic for um, for women who, and I knew quite a few who had also been diagnosed, and I was about to lose my breath. So um, I got a group together, and we spent one long, long day in the sun, and we plastered each other. And there were about 25 of us, and was we that made legal? these. Hmm? Was that legal? Who cares? <laughs> Well, I have to tell you, a girlfriend of mine just did a Get Plastered event in um, a lesbian bar in West Palm Beach, right and on. they had a blast. That was yesterday. <laughs> was it my bar? Because I own a bar down there. No, I'm kidding. It could have been. Um, they painted it pink, and, and they were plastering each <gasps> other yeah, and had a Matt's fantastic time. down there time. to purchase it. Yeah, I'm on a flight, I'm on flight yeah. to Miami right now. Your dog's chiming in. My dog, my dog's very vocal. 
So um, what I ended up doing, what we ended up doing um, was we created the, the plaster bus, and then we had an exhibition later that month, uh, the month of October, where um, all the women decorated their bus. So my my bust, if you go up to her two friends, you can see it has stitching. It has the pink ribbon where the actual stitching is from the double mastectomy, and a suture hangs from the stitching. And we had an exhibition. We had a fundraiser and raised um, almost $10,000 for Breast right. Cancer Action, who I actually created the original breast cancer flag for back in the early 90s. Well, I've known Barbara for years and years and years and years. At Breast Cancer at Action, tell everybody who's listening who doesn't yeah. know. So Barbara Brenner uh, at Breast Cancer Action, uh, former executive director for Breast Cancer Action, amazing woman, did really great stuff. Um, we had BCA on the show, what, two weeks ago, Lisa? Yes. Yeah, and they talked about the, um, what was it, the Make a Stink? Her, yeah, I think. No, there's Stink Before You Pink, but there's the Make a Stink right. for the Cohen perfume, right. Right, right, right. So... I was thrilled to, to read in your bio that you had worked for them. This is a, just a great uh, serendipity here. Um, so, did you, did you, were you recruited by them? Did you stalk them and make them hire you? How'd that work? Um, no, it, it's it was sort of interesting. Back in the early '90s, I was in grad school studying museums um, and education, and um, we got a phone call from Breast Cancer Action, and in those were the early days. So. Um, this was just a group, a, a small group of women who all had the disease, and um, they were, they had gotten a grant from Levi's for I think five thousand dollars, and they also had the Junior League um, that was helping them, and they wanted to create um, some sort of uh, something recognizable that um, could pull women together and pull people together, um, and and bring awareness to the cause. Um, they modeled themselves, Breast Cancer Action back then modeled themselves from the AIDS movement and ACT UP. Right. So they knew that, you know, AIDS movement had their quilt. BCA wanted to come up with something different. So I worked with them, and we created the flag. Um, so the original flag was done by Breast Cancer Action, and then when Susan Clayman and Andrea Martin, who was with Breast Cancer Fund, um, started working closely together. They started sharing the flag, and the flag then went to Breast Cancer Fund, who used it to um, when they went on hikes, and they put it up on mountain tops and and used it in a variety of ways. So let's let's move the conversation into the topic of tonight. Pinkwashing.org is one of your babies, correct? It is one of my babies, yes. Uh, so let's let's start talking about the path towards disenfranchisement, which is, I think, one one sentiment that we really love to exploit here on the show because we're just as pissed as the next person. But when when we see just bureaucracy taking over authenticity, it just it just destroys our souls. Uh, talk us through your your gates of hell entry into the world of stupid pink. Uh, you know, like like you just said, Matt. I mean, it's just so disingenuous, and it's so it, it makes you feel so sad when people um, are able to commercialize this disease, and that's what it is. It's the commercial commercialization of breast cancer, and um, there's pink washing, and then there's cause related marketing, which I think pink profiteering is the new word, which I kind of like. Um, but pink washing, unlike 
cause-related marketing. Pinkwashing refers to raising money in the name of breast cancer research, while at the same time people are contributing to the factors that cause breast cancer. And that just, it makes my hair stand up on end. Like, how can you do that? And there, and on my blog, I've, I've got this list of, of people who I, or companies and organizations that I, I think have, have done so. But the most egregious to me are our own Avon and Komen. I think Breast Cancer Action, Uh-oh. I'm sure, alluded to that. Yes, to Komen, right. to Promise Me. But Avon, the same thing. And how can you create products that are, aren't healthy? They, they hurt women's health. While your mission is to eradicate this disease, I just don't understand that. Well, I've, I've heard it said, and I'm not playing devil's advocate in any way because I'm on your side, but I've heard it said that there's not enough science to determine the accuracy of the claims made by the people stating that this is bad for your health. Is that just because the, the, the EPA is cock-blocking a lot of these uh, these uh, carcinogens? What? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there isn't enough scientific consensus, and there isn't enough regulation. Um, but if you think about the fact that Avon, that what, Estee Lauder, their their products are reformulated for um, the European Union. I mean, these global companies they can't sell the, the the products that they sell here in the United States overseas. They have to be reformulated because so many of those chemicals have been banned. So what's this the solution? Some, we what? move to Europe. Yeah, let's go to Europe. That's it. I'm I think agree. that's a great idea. Well, that you know what? <laughs> But if we could talk, if these if these or these companies could think about the revenue stream in a little different way and market it so that okay, so we remove the parabens, the shelf life is no longer ten years, but it's six months a year. So that increases your revenue stream because if you market it and say, hey, this is such a great fresh product, but it's going to last just six months, you got to buy something new. You got to buy another one after six months. I mean, it could just be part of the marketing play. Um, so I think that's one way companies can do something. So you're, you're to, not to, entirely opposed to cause marketing done right, but exactly. could you give us an example of that? Oh yeah, I was looking. I, I was started laughing. And don't at say the, the NFL. Yes, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. Yes, I couldn't help it. I could, Sports Illustrated had had their pink. The font was pink, and I, I gravitated toward. I can't stand pink. I don't know any any survivor that likes the month of October. I just think I actually look good in pink, but that's about it. Well, no. Last week we had a we had a breast, young adult breast cancer survivor on the show who was dealing with end stage illness, yes. and she said, and this and, is very yes. authentic, yes. that. I wish they were more pink because I want people to know that I'm dealing with my situation. Do you think that's fair? I do. I mean, I think that is the big pink elephant in the room, met- yes. metastatic disease. And yes. it's that's not what we're talking about. These girl, these women that walk, that do the three-day walk, NFL wearing the, the cleats, the pink cleats. Okay, I don't mind the pink cleats. We're not talking about metastatic disease. We're not talking about the fact that the mortality rate has not changed. So right, that's un- exact right. Right. Until we do that, then th- this pink this pink is is nothing. It's nothing. We're, there's no action. We have enough awareness. I do appreciate what Coleman and what Avon have done, but there's enough there's more than enough 
awareness. We need to turn that into action. We have to capitalize that if we're going to make any strides into solving this this really complex mystery. And to do that, we need people to stop buying this crap that has pink shit, pink all over it, pink ribbons and pink colors all over it. We got a guest to say a curse word. That's okay. We love that. Yeah. (laughs) I apologize. You got me heated. But but you people have to go and and take that next step and it's giving to their local organization which they know they know people there they know where the money goes it stays in the community but so much so it's so important for people to get involved in clinical trials because we have to be able to see how how the tissue changes and how it goes from being normal to to being cancer and until we are able to get enough blood and tissue samples we can't we can't do that so i encourage people to go to army of women get involved in 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 some studies some trials go to your local university research hospital and find out about giving a donation and i mean even women who have breast reductions they can give they can give the tissue to science to help breast cancer well i'm sorry well, I mean, I, I will say that there are some small. We have to wrap it in about a minute, but we, I always I want to point out that there are some small victories in this uh, in this conversation. Where I would know that BCA Breast Cancer Action went after YoPlay for the pink lids and the BRBGH. They don't have that anymore, so right. that's a big deal that you got a major dairy manufacturer in this country and in industry to completely reformulate their products around a grassroots campaign calling them out of their BS. Exactly, so, and you have you have breast cancer fund that did the same thing for OPI and had formaldehyde um, and other chemicals taken out. I mean, you really you have we have seen small steps. I um, I have one one um, little incident or or um, little thing that I'd like to to share. There's something called a, an aromatase inhibitor that's used to treat breast cancer. Right, and yep. one of the do you all know about that? Yes. Inse- instead of taking tamoxifen, women can take an aromatase inhibitor. Um, so one of the leading brands is manufactured um, uh, is a multinational corporation that also one of their divisions um, also manufactures something called atrazine. Have you heard of atrazine, which is an no. herbicide? No. So it causes mammary cancer in animals by turning on the aromatase, and that elevates estrogen levels. So the company that makes atrazine, is that division is headquartered in, in Switzerland, and atrazine is actually banned in the European Union, but it's not banned here, and farmers use it here. Hmm. So you've got, you've got that whole cycle of let's give people cancer, and then let's treat them because cancer is lucrative. We need well, to investigate that further, Matthew. I'd say. Well, yeah, and uh, like I said, it's an ongoing conversation. But again, I go, I go back to the fact that like we're on a Cancer Talk Radio show with a million listeners, and we're talking about a this topic. This wouldn't have existed five or ten years ago. I mean, BCA did a great job with social media and the change in consumer consciousness. This is still progress. Just the fact that we're here talking about it is not enough. That we're talking about it to Tons and tons of people who are listening and taking action versus them not doing it years ago is progress. So with that said, um, I really want to thank you for being on the show. And uh, congratulations on, A, surviving stupid cancer. 
But B, you know, really, really just grabbing the bull by the horns and making a huge, a huge stink, pun intended. I, I appreciate that, and and Matt and Lisa, I totally, I, I really appreciate all that you're doing. And like you said, Matt, we have made strides. We just need to make leaps, giant leaps, to end this. I'll get my anti-gravity boots. <laughs> Great, share them with me. Hannah Klein Connolly, everybody. Thank you very much, Hannah. Thanks a lot, Hannah. Thank you. All right, Lisa, you got me and Amy? I got them. You got them? Oh, right. do I got them. Let's, uh, I don't know. We like this song. It's very appropriate. Just because. I get, which 80s song is this again? Is this Bad, Bad Medicine? Medicine? Your love. Don't right. sing, don't sing. Mia Davis is organizing director for the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics and co-leader of the work group for Safe Markets, two national coalitions working to ship companies and state and federal policies towards reducing or eliminating the use of toxic chemicals. For all for that, Mia has years of experience leading environmental health campaigns. She's co-authored reports, articles, and holy, uh, I'm sorry, unholy trinity, the IMF, World Bank, and WTO. She has a master's in international development, community, and environment from Clark University, lives in Boston with her husband, dog, and cat. And Amy Lubitow is an assistant professor of sociology at Portland State University. She received her Ph.D. from Northwestern in Boston. Northeastern in Boston. Northwestern, that's out in that's Chicago or somewhere. Yeah, yeah, good job. Northeastern, yeah, thank you. I do have a college diploma, by the way. In Boston and studies environmental sociology, social movements, and environmental health. She, with us, thinks cancer is stupid. stupid. All right, welcome Amy Lubitow and Mia Davis. Hello. Hello, ladies. Hi there. How are you? We're good. How are you? Mia, this is like your 15th time on the show, right? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. 15. I did just been a couple, but thank you for having me back. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, you, you've been listening to some of the show. Tonight's topic is pinkwashing, but there's a larger conversation about, you know, uh, cultural consciousness and corporate responsibility and what pink means to certain people. And our, our last guest, says, guest said something interesting, and I want you to comment on that. She said that the difference between cause marketing and pinkwashing is when is that the pinkwashing is when corporations take advantage of products that contain uh, things that cause breast cancer or harm health, versus things like the NFL pink cleats, you know, football stuff. What are, what are your thoughts on that, Amy? Um, sure. I, I think it's a, an interesting distinction. Um, certainly, uh, Mia and I, I think, would both agree, you know, pinkwashing is, is rather insidious because of the reality that these corporations are actually possibly, in a lot of ways, contributing to the occurrence of breast cancer. And and I think, you know, th- there is some value in making a distinction and saying, well, you know, something that raises awareness that is caused marketing that, you know, just ties itself to pink is not necessarily as harmful as pinkwashing. But I think that there is still, you know, potentially some concern because in a lot of ways it just, you know, slapping a pink label or something pink on an article of clothing doesn't necessarily, you know, it conveys a lot of emotions and ideas that may not necessarily mean the same thing to everyone. So I think there's still some some damage there that could be done that could be potentially problematic if we're not really clarifying what it means for someone to use pink in in any way, even if it's not just for profit or even if it's not just for, uh, or, you know, being done by a company that actually causes cancer. I think there's still some questions that are raised. 
How, how does that, Amy, how does all this uh, relate to actually to what you teach? Um, you know, I, um, I'm an environmental sociologist, and, and I teach a lot about the different ways that consumerism and consumption and, and the way that we're really living in a modern capitalist society, how that can really impact the environment in some negative ways. So I think that this idea of pinkwashing, I try and bring it into my students to show them that there are these really direct connections between um, the, the way that we're impacting our environment and the way that we're consuming goods. And I think pinkwashing is just this great example of this because it's 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 so inherent in what is happening every fall. So, yeah, I think it's a nice connection, a nice piece to, to bring to students. All right, well, Mia, um, I wanted to ask you, I mean, obviously you've been on the show a lot, but we're having a discussion in the chat room right now, and maybe I'm confused. I'd like to get some um, your expert opinion or, or thoughts on this. The EPA versus the FDA. Right? A, who sucks more? But B, <laughs> who's in charge of regulating toxins and carcinogens and approving things that are good or bad for you? Well, if the Republicans get elected, they'd like to eliminate the EPA altogether. Right. So, so there you go. Right. Yeah. Not sure that's the best way to go, but. I, Sorry, yeah. Mia. Go. We, don't, we don't think that's a very good way to go at yeah. all. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Are there problems with regulations and regulatory agencies? For sure. But we actually think that this is a system that can be fixed, that it doesn't need to be completely dismantled. So, um, you know, it's a great question. Both the FDA and the EPA regulate toxic, well, regulate chemicals in this country, including um, toxic chemicals and how much or if they're allowed on the market. Unfortunately, both of the laws, um, that would basically empower the FDA and the EPA to regulate chemicals are super, super flawed. So flawed that the EPA can't even officially ban asbestos in this country. Wow. Um, yeah, it's really, really troublesome. So the EPA regulates chemicals um, more broadly, I would say, than the FDA, uh, if we're speaking kind of generally. And the bill uh, or the law that's on the table that we talk about, about is the Toxic Substances Control Act. And it's, it, this is the one that I'm saying is super flawed so that the EPA can't even really do its job and make sure that chemicals are safe before they come onto the market. So the EPA regulates chemicals that are found in a lot of different consumer products. The FDA regulates the chemicals that are found in cosmetics, which um, you know directly relates to my work at the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics, but also relates to a lot of the stuff that you guys have been talking about so far this evening when we're talking about Avon and Estee Lauder, because so many of the companies that are um, – you know, can, they consider themselves leaders in the breast cancer awareness movement, and Amy and I would argue that they might be leading pink washers um, sell cosmetic products. So, so that my, falls under FDA. Right. So, so my question with and thank you for clarifying it. My question is was brought up before. Most of these organizations, especially with the KFC pink stuff and, and the, the perfume, now the response, the the politically correct like press release, crisis communication responses, always the jury's still out on the science. Is that a cop-out, or do we really know there's just these things are just not good for you, but we're sort of leaning on the fact that there's no clinical data? I think it's a both and, and, you know, Amy could, could add to my response. I think it's a really important question, but there are chemicals that are on the market where people, where, you know, the American Chemistry Council or the cosmetic industry trade group or whomever might just be straight up lying about the, the science. They might be manufacturing doubt is what we call it, saying, oh, you can't ever prove that. And, and sometimes it can be very complicated. We're exposed to so many chemicals right now, and there are so many chemicals that are used in cosmetics, for example, 
that have no data that no, we, we can't say for sure this chemical is going to cause your cancer, and we never, well, that's not at all what we're saying. But what we're saying is, A, the absence of data does not imply safety. If we have zero data on a chemical, that doesn't mean that it's totally safe and we should use it until, you know, the cows come home and who cares if there's any, you know, problems later, we'll figure it out. That's a really ridiculous way to approach this. We need to be a lot more precautionary than that. And then B, you know, there are chemicals that have really strong links to cancer, either because those chemicals are carcinogenic or because they're hormone disruptors. So some chemicals actually can turn on and off signaling pathways in our body. They bind with estrogen receptors, for example. Um, they can do other things, but that's just one example in the case of breast cancer. It's a good one here uh, for tonight's you know, topic. Um, so some of these chemicals are hormone disruptors, and they're allowed in plastics, in products that have pink ribbons on them in cosmetics, in baby bottles, they're, they're legal to use. Um, so this is where the science isn't necessarily weak, it isn't, hard to, it isn't hard to draw a link, but are you going to be able to prove the straw that broke the camel's back when um, you know, we're exposed to so many different hormone disruptors and carcinogens from so many different sources? Probably not, it's really, it's really tough. There's just certain cancers, like the cancer uh, that is caused from asbestos exposure, that are really unique. So we know, okay, if someone has asbestosis, basically they, that's from asbestos exposure. If someone has breast cancer and they have no family history, which is the majority of breast cancer cases that are diagnosed in the U.S., um, we're not going to be able to say definitively that's because you live near um, a farm that uses, you know, really nasty pesticides and herbicides that are hormone disruptors, or that's because you love your cosmetic products so much that have, you know, hormone disruptors in them. Right. So I just want to ask one more question because Lisa wants to hop on. Uh, related but not directly related. So if pink washing is um, uh, attaching your, your product to a cause where the actual ingredients of your product facilitate the cause, uh, of the cause, so to speak, how would you define the situation where a corporation makes it very, very difficult for people that want to give to actually have an impact. And I'll give you one example. There's a um, kitchenware line of products that claims a percentage will go to a certain a cancer organization, but the process by which to get them to actually make the donation is nine steps of idiocy that most consumers don't do. Yeah, Amy, do you want to take that? Is that sure, pink washing yeah. too? Is that another version of it? Yeah, you know, this ties back to this idea of cause marketing, I, I think, and and the practice of a lot of these companies, you know, wanting to associate their products with something that, for most people, you know, they care, they want to do something, and you know, so many people these days are diagnosed with breast cancer. I think, um, Mia, what is it? One in eight, one in eight women in the U.S. is going to be mm-hmm. diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime. So, so most of us know someone, and, and obviously that is a compelling reason to purchase a product. But I think that there is still, even if, again, even if we're not talking about these companies that are directly um, contributing to environmental impacts and environmental causes of cancer, it's, there's still something to be said for the fact that you're. Um, you're taking away from the fact that people want to participate and want to do something uh, to be relevant or to help their families cope with this disease. And unfortunately, most people um, 
when when we're having these kind of cause marketing uh, as the major way to do this, most people aren't having the more meaningful ways to express any of these emotions. Um, you know, I think that some of the the walks for breast cancer and runs for breast cancer can be really great positive experiences, but it's still so limiting that our options are to walk, to run, or to buy something. And I, I think that um, I, w- I would really say that there's still harm there. And, and I'm not really exactly sure if we should come up with, you know, some new term right now and sort of say there's some other level to this. It's not necessarily pinkwashing, but it's still it's still damaging and hazardous when we're, we're taking the discussion away from prevention and we're focusing on consumerism and cures and, and walking and not a lot of the other things that we might be talking about, like coming up with ways to prevent the disease or like detecting things even earlier than a mammogram, at which point someone already has cancer. Um, would you agree, Mia? What do you think? Yeah. Well, I would definitely agree. I think, you know, something that we that we work to outline in our um, our article that we we wrote together called Pastel Injustice, uh, which was published in Environmental Justice Magazine. Uh, you know, we really talked about pinkwashing just as like you know a very egregious action where some companies are using chemicals in the pink ribbon product that are linked to cancer. But there are other levels of it, too. So a company might be using a chemical linked to cancer in the manufacturing facility. Maybe it's not even in your pink ribbon product, but it's in another one of their products, or they are exposing people who live near that facility to that chemical. Or maybe it's down or up the supply chain. So if if we go back to that NFL example, that's, like, obviously really poignant for people because we keep talking about it, right? It's really (laughs) interesting to see all of these men who are huge, getting paid vast sums of money, running up and down a field with pink ribbons somewhere on their body. Now, those men and their job might not be directly linked to chemicals that are linked to cancer, right? But they're running up and down a field that's sprayed with God knows what kind of chemicals. Their uniforms and the plastic that's used to That's a really you know, great point. The pesticides, yeah, the pesticides on the field and all of the, yeah. Right. So I'm not saying this to make it seem like, oh, my God, it's, it's this, like, rabbit hole, right? I'm saying this actually to say let's broaden let's broaden the view a little bit and think about how just how deep pinkwashing might have become. It's just become so, so normal. And um, am I saying that they shouldn't have, you know, some green grass to run on? No. But let's use the least toxic pesticide that we could possibly use. Let's use an organic pesticide for them to run up and down that field. Or, you know, the plastic helmets or the sneakers or the uniforms, the right. components that are not natural in those uniforms, can we use the least toxic, the safest chemicals and materials that we can find? And Absolutely. that's really, I think, the challenge for us here. Yeah. Mia, Mia, let me ask you this. Um, does the, w- would the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics ever offer, do they or would you ever offer, like, a good housekeeping seal of approval, your own seal of approval, to any individual companies like Tarte Cosmetics, which claims that they all use? very safe safe and healthy ingredients in their cosmetic line? Um, no, and the, the, the answer, well, the answer is we have something kind of similar that's useful for the consumer, but, but the short answer is no. Um, the campaign is a national nonprofit coalition, so Breast Cancer Fund and Breast Cancer Action and a whole bunch of other you know, groups, some of which you've mentioned tonight, are part of this, this coalition. And we're not certifying bodies um, to actually become a certifier if you're doing it right, um, it's this whole other, like, level, basically. And there are some good um, certifying bodies out there that work with cosmetic companies. But the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics does have um, this thing called the Compact for Safe Cosmetics that we've had for a few years. And we've just closed down, and we'll be reporting on the Compact really soon. And there are hundreds of companies that sign the Compact for Safe Cosmetics, which is a pledge to not use carcinogens, mutagens, or reproductive toxins in their cosmetics. 
Like, and, duh, right? That's how it should be. <laughs> but, well, tell us also and, about this. Tell us also about the Safe uh, Cosmetics Act of this year, and where yeah, that stands. Yeah. That was I a mean, win. It's kind of, yeah, it's more solutions-oriented, right, instead of what's the problem, what's the problem. So the cosmetic industry is basically unregulated in this country, and Hannah before us um, kind of alluded to this when she said, look, some of these companies have to reformulate and sell safer things in Europe than they do here. Um, that doesn't mean that the cosmetics or products sold in Europe are totally perfect and totally safe, but they are way, way, way beyond where the U.S. is right now in terms of regulation. So the Safe Cosmetic Act was introduced last year for the first time, and reintroduced this year, and um, it's a bill that proposes that for the first time since 1938, that's, that's the last time that cosmetics legislation was updated in our country. Uh, if you can imagine what's happened with cosmetics since 1938, it's kind of mind-blowing. Um, this bill proposes that we actually empower the FDA so that they can regulate the cosmetic industry and make sure that chemicals that are used in these products have been proven safe before they hit the market. Right now we have the just throw it on the market, we'll deal with it later, and then we don't even have the tools to deal with it later. That's, you know, it's flawed because you're exposing people to toxic chemicals. But then it's super flawed because we don't even have the tools to deal with it later. So the Safe Cosmetic Act is a, a, great, a great bill that's on the table, and we encourage everyone to go to safecosmetics.org and take action and, and send, a, send a quick email or pick up the phone and call your legislator and say, hey, this, this affects me and this is why. You know, I'm a young cancer survivor. Someone in my family was affected, and it's just ridiculous that we still allow chemicals linked to cancer in products like cosmetics, products like you know baby toys, products that are used in our food. So we we have a long way to go, but the uh, the good news is we have some really good ideas for making things safer through the market and through legislation. Well, we're we're out of time in a second, but I wanted to run this by both of you, Amy. You're a professor. You have students. Um, do you think that and I say you crazy kids because they're all like they're 18 now. Are they much more sort of receptive and and um, listening more intently about these issues than like perhaps my generation or my parents' generation? Uh, are they are they taking different steps in their adolescence to be more aware and conscious of what your what the entire issues of toxicity are and the awareness of being an intelligent consumer? Um. I mean, I, I really do think so, and uh, I'm I'm an environmental sociologist, so for the most part, I, I do get to see a lot of students who are generally motivated to, to ask questions about the environment and make some connections between health and the environment. But I think it, it's really pretty promising. A lot of people know a lot more and are more critical of some of the, you know, our lack of regulations. And, and interestingly, you know, I'm in Portland. It's a pretty unique city. But I think a lot of the students that I've been talking to recently, recently are, are really critical of the, the overconsumption that they're seeing. And I think that Breast Cancer Awareness Month is this perfect example. And a lot of them kind of bring it up and say, you know, what, what's going on with this? And, and, you know, I'm concerned. And so I think that there definitely is a dramatic shift, um, even though, you know, we tend to think of this newer generation of, of people as being, um, you know, hyper consumers with all these iPods and new technologies. I think that there is there is a significant group of people who who recognize the connections and are increasingly starting to ask some really important questions about the connection between how we consume products and and what the impact is going to be on, on the environment and our health somewhere down the line. So so I'm optimistic. And Mia, have you seen like tangible impact from what you guys have been doing out there? By the way, uh, on the, as an aside, I met Lindsay Dahl when I was in D.C. Amazing okay. human being. Yeah, Lindsay is my colleague, and I have a lot of respect for her, and she does 
really similar work to what I do on the Safer Chemicals Healthy Families Coalition. So that is the bill that would empower the EPA to regulate cosmetic or right. sorry, reg chemicals. Yeah, and I'm doing the FDA stuff over here. Um, yeah, I, I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, right? I see a lot of barriers um, and a lot of um, really antiquated thinking about, you know, the, uh, just regulation and fear of regulation and fear of doing things a better way. But at the same time, I'm seeing a lot of new voices saying we need more corporate accountability and less greed. Uh, we need more rules that make sense and that actually favor human beings' health and the environment, and the businesses that are trying to do the right thing. So there are companies out there that are not using, you know, some of the worst toxic offenders, and we should be voting with our dollars to support them and having fun while we do it, but recognizing that we can't just shop our way out of this problem. It is going to take regulation in order to really not put a Band-Aid over this or make smaller incremental changes, but really get to the heart of all this and make some long-lasting change. All right. Well, you guys have been uh, terrific to have as guests, and uh, this is a topic that we obviously love to discuss. And thank you for adding your perspectives on this. Yeah, thank Mia, you. you come on the show one more time. We have to buy you an iPod or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as long as it's not pink. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well thank, thank you so much, guys. Great. We will thank definitely you. be in touch. You rock. Congratulations on everything. Keep up the good work. Thank right. you. Thanks a lot. All right. Mia Davis, Mia Amy Davis. Mia Doctor. Mia Davis, Mia Davis Amy from Amy the Lubitow. Campaign for Safe Cosmetics. Amy Lubitow, who is a smart person because she's a professor at Portland State. Well, you could be a professor and be dumb. She just happens to be smart as well. Sadly, that is true. Yes. Yes. I've had several dumb professors. All right. Who shall not be named. The Stupid Professor Show. Yeah. Oh, what? All right, closing ceremony. Here we what? <laughs> this is the Olympics. Prepare for uh, pomp and circumstance. On the, uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, everybody, that was show number 202, believe it or not. We hope you had as much fun as we did. As always, poke a stick at Stupid Cancer. Here we go. I'd like to thank uh -huh. our on-air guests, Timmy McAtee, Hannah Klein, Connelly, Mia Davis, and Dr. Amy Lubitow at Institute here. Kenny Kane and Amanda Freeman, best to James Manning, couldn't be here tonight. Next week, we're talking cancer in film part or part deux, part deux. As, as Matthew likes to say. Joining us, F. Casper Wong. She is an award-winning writer, director, producer. has a new film out called The Lulu Sessions. You'll want to learn all about that. Also, Steve Maison. He's a comedian, young adult survivor of liver cancer, an Emmy-winning writer and stand-up comic. He's got a new film out called Dying to Do Letterman. Just had a premiere here in New York. Very excited to have him. And in our Survivor Spotlight, we have a husband and wife team, Abu Farman and Lenore Caraballo. Lenore is a two-year breast cancer survivor. They have created a fascinating art exhibit that relates to breast cancer, and you'll have to tune in next week to find out what it's all about. If you've missed any of our past shows, download them all for free anytime on iTunes at itunes.stupidcancer.com or check out the archives anytime at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, folks, if it ain't stupid, it ain't cancer. Live from the Chemodex, on behalf of Lisa Bernhard, myself, and our whole team here at the Stupid Cancer Show, have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday. Good night, everybody. Good night.